0: Hi, we're sisters, Amy and Nancy Harrington, the founders of the Passionistas Project podcast. We've created an inclusive sisterhood where passion-driven women come to get support, find their passion, and feel empowered to transform their lives and change the world. On every episode of the podcast, we discuss the unique ways in which each woman is following her passions, talk about how she defines success, and explore her path to breaking down the barriers that women too often face. Today we're talking with Marlene Forte, a Cuban-American actress born just outside of Havana, Cuba and raised in North Jersey. Marlene has shaken the Hollywood stereotypes and broken the glass ceiling many times as a woman, a Latina, a mother, and an older actress. At 60-something years old, Forte has defied the rules of aging, showing that age is nothing but a number. A mom of one proves you can have a hugely successful career, raise a family, and look amazing while doing it. You've seen her in everything from Golden Globe Best Picture nominated film Knives Out, J.J. Abrams' Star Trek reboot, Real Women Have Curves, Our Song opposite Kerry Washington, Marlon Wayans' A Haunted House, and Tyler Perry's A Single Moms Club on the big screen. And on the small screen, she's been on Netflix's Altered Carbon, TNT's Dallas, The Mentalists, Law & Order, 24, Community, The Secret Life of the American Teenager, The Fosters, and AMC's Fear the Walking Dead, among many others. She's experienced motherhood, owned a video store, and lived a full life before moving to Los Angeles and becoming a prolific actress. Her story is truly inspiring. So please welcome Marlene Forte.
1: You guys are making me, cry. I'm
0: like, I'm gonna tear up. <laughs> That's a very, very, very impressive resume. We're As you were
2: saying it. it, I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel those 60 something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Marlene, what are you most passionate about? I'm passionate about so many things, but I think in general, and, and I think this is what's helped me be a better actress, I am passionate about life. Like, I am curious about life. I'm interested in things that I don't know about. I'm, I mean, I may may not like it. I may not go down that road next time, but I need to, I think that's what we were here to do, right? To live life, to live it as kindly and as empath, uh, you know, uh, sympathetically as possible. And just be kind. And that's what I try to do with my daughter, just raise somebody that's human and kind and not so angry, you know, because when you open your eyes, you're alive. I just lost my dad. I was very, very, very lucky to have him until the age of 85. And my husband lost his dad at 17. So, it, 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 you know, but he gave me that. Like, this is a man who pulled us out of Cuba, nine months in my hand, you know, in, in hand and just was curious about everything. And, and, and I think that he, he, he passed that on to his daughters. He was the original, you know, girl dad. <laughs> um, so I think that that's what I'm passionate about. And that I think is what makes me a good actor. I, I've always. I want to be an actress. When I was ten. I knew like the first time I was on stage at PS Number Four, at, you know, West New York, New Jersey. I looked down and I was like, "Oh wow, this is awesome. This is what makes me tingle." Um, and it took me all this time to, you know, I didn't become. I didn't start acting till my late twenties. You know, through Labyrinth Theater Company, and and it was a, a very distinct choice to do that. But up to that point. I did a lot. I lived my life. I wasn't, and my father was fearless in that way, you know, and just to be, I just watched, um, the Cheeto movie. And the thing that I took away is that, 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 that was my dad. Like that's every Latino dad that came in here. Right. And just made it work and was made us, our life better. And, and, um, I think that's, that's what I'm passionate about. And that trickled down to be a good actor. By the time I became an actor, yes, I wasn't trained as an actor, but I had lived a life. You know, I had gotten married and had a kid and went to college and got divorced and was like, how do I become an actor? Oh, I'll start my own business, video store. And that was ridiculous. When you start your own business, you can't act. I want a business. <laughs> That's a laugh. But you know, I was like, well, how, what business can I do closest to what I love, which was video store, timing. I believe the universe really provides you with what you need, as long as we are open to it and and leap forward with faith to, into it. Um, I think we can do anything. Plus, I gave birth at a very young age. And when you do that and survive it, <laughs> with, you know, no no, 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 nothing, you know, you go, how, I am never doing that again, and I can do anything now, (laughs) I survived that, I didn't die, I thought I was going to die, and then you move on, you know, Um, so I think that my passion for life, is there anything that I'm passionate about, and then I really truly follow my joy, like what makes me happy, which was always the theater and movies. My father took me to the movies to watch The Graduate. I was, what, 10? I, know. I mean, so it was things like that, that um, Bullet. I remember going to the movies with my dad to watch Bullet, you know. So it was just, I was the oldest of all a bunch of girls. So I, I got, I think I got the best of that. Um, my My middle baby sister would say she did and then the middle sister would be a middle complainer so that's just about right
2: (laughs) let's go back to that 10 year old girl in that first play that you did do you do you remember what the part was and and tell us a little bit more about like acting did you act more as a kid and into high school and stuff like that
1: no uh, i didn't it took me a very long time i I i i discovered it because i was um I can carry a tune and it, uh, it was my grammar school. So we weren't putting up a play, but we were reading um, Great Expectations or they were, we were putting in an adaptation of Great Expectations. I was very lucky. I went to, to public schools that did wonderful things like this. I was one of the girls sitting on the stage like that was beating Red to. So I didn't even have lines or anything. I was just sitting there like, absorbing it all in and I remember that moment so clearly even today um I was like oh this is this is joyful right that was I knew that when then and and then we get to sing in a little bit and, and did that and then I didn't i didn't really do i played the, my mom and dad put us in piano lessons you know latin people do this a lot to keep you off the streets you know now it's soccer and all that stuff but it's never to go into it as a job you're supposed to be a lawyer or a teacher or something you know not not something steady talk to people now about that after pandemic um but but that's that's what you're supposed to do and i kind of follow that have for a little while I mean I even got married to my high school sweetheart because I'd already had sex and that's what people do <laughs> so we got married and then I got pregnant right away people thought I was pregnant because I was crazy to do it but we were going to college and I went through college throwing up off the Jersey t- turnpike and you know with my morning sickness to Rutgers and, you know I just I did all that When acting was not not in my mind, I was going to be an English teacher and had already a kid and loved it and always wanted to do it. But my husband was going to be a doctor who did become a doctor, but wanted three kids. That's three kids with his new wife and one with me. (laughs) You know, so um, it it was all that kind of stuff. I I just did what I was supposed to do. I was an immigrant Catholic. You know, followed my cousin who I admired and got married right out of high school too. And, you know, but I did marry another Cuban. We we're very ambitious Cubans. And, um, we both went to college, you know, pregnant, the whole thing. And then he wanted to go off to law to become a doctor. And I think it was a dentist at the time, which is why I ended up graduating from Teaneck, New Jersey. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fairly Dickinson, you know, you know, it's a great school, but not for acting or liberal arts, <laughs> but um, that's where I graduated from. And uh, when we graduated high school, college, he wanted, you know, he was going to go on and he wanted his wife to have more kids. And at that point I was like, I really want to act. I really want to do this. And I was like, I just didn't, this was not in my heart and my soul. I just knew that if I stayed married and I had another kid that just wasn't going to happen in this, in this, with this sliding door. So I, you know, talked to my dad and my dad said, do follow your heart. And, uh, and at the time we video stores were just starting out. And he loved movies and I loved movies. This is what we had in common. So he had said, you know, we put in $10,000 each. I mean, that's nothing, right? But that was for like 200 movies at the time. Pre-Blockbuster, when you had to pay, you guys are too young to remember any of this, $60 deposit and all that stuff, right? And right around the corner from my parents' house in North Bergen, New Jersey. I'm really a Jersey kid. I mean, I was nine months old. My Cuban part is because we lived in a very Cuban, Cubans live in, huddle together like most immigrants do right and so i my high school was highly highly cuban but cuban jersey which is different than cuban florida which is very different than cuban cuban so i had you know my own influences going on so we do this right around the corner from my i find a place where my daughter who was 10 at this point could grow grow up behind the video store and she did and, my, and I could bring her, eat and, you know, back and forth. And the first three, years was really hard. And then, uh, and then I, Blockbuster hit the scene. And I wasn't really doing a lot of acting because when you have a business, you have to run your business. It was my film education because I went, I got into a little of distribution because I was such a mom and pop store that this way I could get a break on the movies. So I'd really just i keep I, in Quentin Tarantino, I like to say. I, I learned about everything, even distribution. And then I kind of saw the writing on the wall and I was getting a little older and I had just gotten into this theater company um, through a friend that I had met on my first indie movie. And she asked me to come in, Lydia Ramirez, she asked me to come in and do a female odd couple. And we did it. And I got in and she didn't. It took her two more years to get in. And I was be damned if she wasn't going to get into this company. (laughs) Um, And that was my, I like to say, my MFA in acting. Um, Because I was really new in that way. You know, the last time I I did a couple of college uh, plays with my husband at the time, who was just being jealous and. Had no, really didn't wanted to do anything, but would sit and put up with my, you know, my hobby, and uh, so yeah, that that got that, that that was the beginning of my theater life was with Labyrinth, and that was in 1998, 96. How old is Labyrinth now? Thirty years, and uh, I was the first temp. I was I was brought in even though I got in, Lydia was bought in directly as an actor, I was like the temp because I didn't have any experience, but I, I guess I had a lot of passion. And I just took notes and we'd meet once a week on Wednesday nights, way on the east side of, uh, on the west side, way on the west side on 48th Street and like 12th and like Rat City. And they gave us a little spot there in New York and, and we, we we played and then we'd go to McHale's, I think it was, and drink beer and you know every Wednesday night and that was my education to to the theater and it was a grand education because I was surrounded by very brilliant people um, who taught me everything that I know about acting pretty much in the theater and then I throughout my career I, I you know took like a commercial course that got me my commercial agent and you know I just kind of you know, I did the backstage thing at the beginning because nobody in my family, even though my father named us all after actresses. My dad was the actor, right? He was like this little young Salminio looking guy, you know, running, you know, room service up and down. uh, All the fancy hotels at the time. They called him Chico, you know, and I mean, I want to do something. I'm actually working on something about my life. Um, a half-hour single can. I hate to use the word dramedy because I'd be, but, you know, think, you know, better days meets curvier enthusiasm. (laughs) 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 About a Cuban-American woman who decides to bring in her parents to live with her because they get very sick. My dad got very sick last night, uh, about two, three years ago with the pandemic. And my husband's a writer, and I said to him, He was, I was flying back and forth, back and forth to my Florida. And he was like, and I, at one point I was like, I can't do this. We're going to have to bring him in. And he was like, bring him in. We'll figure it out. God bless him. And it was November and I'm December. He said, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, I want you to write me a pilot, a single cam funny about a woman who does this. Let's concentrate on the funny. So we can (laughs) not Kill each other, and uh, yeah, and that was three years ago. And I think we're, if it weren't for the strike, we'd be um, moving it around. But it's good. We're, we'll let it digest a little bit. It only gets better. And there's also no timeline. You know, that's the other thing I've learned about my life. Um, and it's age. Age really is. You know, you start to look. Until I turn sixty, I will be sixty-two years old this July. Coming up, and then till I turned sixty, I, I I thought, oh, I'm not, I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right. And then it was like sixty, and I, re- <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, I'm not doing so good. Um, uh, my back's starting to hurt, my knees are going out, my, you know. And I I started to do pilates. I said, I have to, I have to do something for myself, right? I have to commit to some sort of thing. And um, so I started pilates on the reformer, and. It'll be a year this year. And it was the best thing outside of going into acting that I've been able to do to myself because this is my instrument. Outside of, you know, I kept thinking, as long as I could remember lines, I'm like, no, oh, as long as I could walk up those stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I could always use the teleprompter, but I, I can't. I gotta be able to walk up those stairs. I gotta be able to move something around. I was like, "Oh my lord! Oh my lord! My lord!" Um, yeah, and and the thing about aging, it was never a thing for me because I had started late, and they had everybody had told me that I was crazy to do it already. They, they were like, "People are quitting acting." It was the 90, 902 Melrose time, where you, you know, it was just like, none of these people have mothers. (laughs) Now everybody has mothers on TV, thank God. (laughs) Grandmothers even are showing up. It's a new world. You've come a long way, ladies. <laughs> we are being allowed to age now, a little bit
2: on TV. When you say you started acting when you were older, how old were you?
1: 28, 29, but that right. was old already, right? right? People are like, that's old. And, you know, I've met a couple of young of actors that now are my, my you know, like, uh, my auditioning against there was one woman I, I love. Her name is Laura. And, and and she, you know, she started much even older than I did. And I remember she's very good. And she was like, everyone keeps saying I'm too old. And, you know, she started probably within the last 10 years. And I was like, honey, as long as you can remember your lives and take Pilates and, now, and take Pilates. <laughs> uh, but no, and no, Well, now it's a little different. It has changed where now there are, uh, more older women, there are mothers that are coming up. There are more in that way, uh, opportunities. Uh, so as long as the opportunities for the younger w- women in powerful positions continue to show, then they'll be able to show the mother part of it. We, you know, so I am hoping, and I do see a change, you know, hoping that AI doesn't take it all over, but, um, Outside of that, you know, uh, I have seen a a trickle change in my last, now I'm 30 years in and I feel like it was a blink of an eye. You know, um, I started almost 30 years into my life, which is is kind of unheard of because people are like, you're going to be what? My mother (laughs) cried. My mother looked for jobs for me for the first ten years of my career. Sofitel is hiring. The Hilton is hiring. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> it was not a, <laughs> it was not a bed of roses. But but, what was
2: the moment in your career when she stopped doing that?
1: When I be I play the mother of William Levy in the in the um in the Tyler Perry movie. William Levy, she loves William Levy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? If you blink, you miss me in that movie, and that's the movie. <laughs> Why don't you do a Spanish soap opera? Why and William Levy, you're going to be working with William Levy. Oh my God. <laughs> so That's the time. That's the moment when my mother finally. When
0: was the moment when you felt like you were a real actress?
1: (laughs) Very different moment. Um, I was still waiting tables back in New York. And I was working on a play, a Lisa Loomer play called Bocom. And I had one of the biggest parts that I had. It was a small, tiny little theater. And um, I remember uh, Friday nights and I... I had done a commercial it was my first big commercial and i knew that i had a residual check coming of course it's going to be to take it right down to the money but that was the moment <laughs> and i and i called my man and i knew i had a residual check-in but i didn't want to be that actor like how much was it you know i'm fine i'm I'm fine and i call him and i said hey did you that check out it should be he goes oh yeah yeah said, do, you, do you remember how much it was and he was like hey it's like 1900 and some odd dollar and i was like how much how much was it <laughs> 1900 and it's almost $2,000. She goes, yeah, that's awesome. I'm not working next week. I'm taking the whole week off. I don't need a shift next week. I'm going to be an actor. I am going to go to the theater next week. I do not need to come here next week. I'm moving along. I'm moving along. That was the moment. That was the moment. I was like, I, I think I might be able to make a living at this. Oh, $2,000 a week would be so much better than this shift. <laughs> it was like a long time ago um, but yeah. for me it was that moment and, and and then every year I take inventory I'm like have I I've never felt thank God um, a moment where I'm like I I probably should quit this is I can't book anything I'm nothing's happening I've always had very realistic views I've, I've never believed that one one part is going to make your career I think at a certain part uh, when you get to a certain place, you know, you do shows that bump you up and that happens, but you're only as good as that last bump. Right. So it's, it's fleeting. It's not, none of it is, it's, it's not like, you know, you can't be on a show and then go up to the hills and buy, you know, you can't do that till you're like five years in some vacation. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just, that's the realistic thing of it. But so, cause, cause you're, yeah, you're making 20 grand in a week and then you don't work for a year. How much did you make all year? <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's my, I'm almost glad I didn't start young, that I had all this other kind of thing, because I was like, oh, okay, this is great for this week, but I didn't quit my job that day. I just said, I don't need shifts next week. <laughs> you know, and it was a very big difference. And that was because I had a kid at a very early age. So, it had to be real. There it, it was something that was like, I, I like to say she anchored me in, in a way that even though people were like, oh, forget it, you have a kid, that's never going to happen. It also was a way of anchoring me where I was like, okay, I have to be real clear <laughs> why I'm doing this, where, where I'm going, you know, this is where I want to make a living at this, which is why I came to LA eventually, because, you know, theater is wonderful, but it's really hard to make a living at it. It's really hard. There are not that many people—actors, writers, directors—that many people that can say, "Yes, I make a living only doing theater."
2: So, when you came to LA, did you were did you come for
1: pilot season? Did you? No, work? I came with a job. I'm okay. I don't I don't have that much gusto. I was always afraid, and I had my theater company there, which was a very uh, wonderful, safe community. Right, sort of venture out, and then you come back, and then. Uh, But I came out with a show, Crossing Jordan, who I got written out of like six shows, six episodes, and I was way over my head. I'd never really been on a set. I I totally understand how it happened. Um, And even though it hurt my ego terribly, I was like, okay, this is the moment where you go back to New York and you stay there and you're like, forget it, I'm not doing TV. It's not in me. Or... You keep auditioning. You actually booked it. They didn't get rid of you till six episodes in, so you weren't that bad. Because <laughs> you know, if you're bad, you're out. They just kill you. <laughs> it's easy. Uh, so I just I stayed. I had booked a couple when I finally got released from that. I had just booked something else. So I always I always listen to what the universe is kind of telling me I, from that point on. It wasn't my first time I had been in LA. I had gone back several times because I just was like, it's not time, just not time. But this time, even though that was my first blow in the head because um, I was like, oh, I'm on a show. It's not This is fantastic. No reason why they don't really need to tell you. <laughs> uh, you just stop getting called in. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, let me look at the work. Maybe, okay, let's learn um so you do all that you know and and you try to keep your ego in check we have large egos in this industry we have to have it because you said it earlier um the re- amount of rejection that somebody in my industry goes through um on a weekly basis if you're lucky because that means you're auditioning right is quite a lot and so you need a, a strong ego to be like, no, nope, that just wasn't mine, or I just didn't work it. You know, they, I mean, I always take and just I, I like to keep. Now with taping self tapes, I keep them and I book. I look at the things I actually book and the ones I don't book, and I can see why. Mm-hmm. Right. So now that now we can learn in a different way, but back then, you know, you're in the your room. And, well, that one, I blew that one and that was it. There's no retakes. You can't retake that. I'm going to get a better take and send a better take. It's very different back then. <laughs> um, but you, you, you take inventory, right? Like you, you wouldn't have any job. If you were doing anything, you have to kind of learn the ropes. And this industry is a strange industry, especially for actors, because there's no guarantee that you're going to have a job. You can get an MFA you can, you know, and and there's really no guarantee when you leave there with all this debt that you are going to get a job. You know, maybe you can teach a little bit, but how do you take inventory and find, I used to say back in the day, now, uh, you know, you need to find something to, to, you know, feed yourself, right? How do you do that? How do you do that financially? For me, I had to do it early because I had a kid, but you have to be able to, okay, you need a place to live, you need a car, if you're in L.A., you need certain things um, to be able to become an actor. You need to get money to get headshots. You need to invest a little bit in that. So you have to realistically find something and just, you know, even though I am a person of faith and do believe in the universe giving back, you need to be proactive to allow that to happen. And, um, you know, sometimes people just, I just want to act or how did you do, how do you get an agent? Well, it took me seven years to get an agent. And I'm on stage with, like, you know, Daphne Rubin Vega and Phil Hoffman and John Ortiz and Judy Ray and I couldn't get arrested in New York. I couldn't get an agent. I've got a commercial agent, but my agents came in the weirdest, most ridiculous way. I was dating an actor and I, <laughs> I was dating an actor and I went to deliver his headshots. Yeah, I'm dating myself. <laughs> and uh, and the assistant, who you know now is the owner of the agency, I think in New York, uh, I know or so. And and uh, was like, oh, thank you. And I, timing, right at that moment, Michael was coming out and he looked at me and he goes, hey, "What do you do? And who are you, or whatever?" And I was like, oh, "I'm dropping, you know, David's headshots off." And he was like, "And what do you do?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm an actor." And he was like, "Oh, are you? Uh, do you have a monologue And I was like. There's like, well, come inside and do it for me. And I was like, I really have to go to the bathroom though. I'll be right back. And I did not have a monologue on, I I did not, I did not. (laughs) So I go to the bathroom and I'm like, can I say, I'm like, oh, oh, no, 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 this is bad. Okay. No, this is good. I can do this. All I got to do is tell a story for 60 seconds. That's all I got to do. What's a monologue? Tell a story for 60 seconds. And I went in and I told him about the time the boyfriend before this one left me. And I just told him a little story that I figured would make him laugh. He stole my vibrator. I told him that. (laughs) made him laugh so hard. He said, you are fabulous. Bring me some headshots tomorrow. And that's how I got my first agent.
2: I have chills from head to toe.
1: <laughs> that was an incredible story. I was like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I'm not a writer. I don't I'm not. I'm not that person. I don't have things memorized. I'm not. and I was like, just tell him the story. I told that story to my girlfriends a bunch of times. Just tell him the story. Can you tell us the story? I do not probably even remember it, but I know that he, <laughs> He put it in a box, and I watched him. I didn't watch him. I he, he sat there while I I left. I left, and he hid it. He pulled it out of my box, and he's anyways. I don't even remember the story. It was thirty two years ago. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. How, did you, how, do, how do you get an agent? I'm like, <laughs> <"Just>
2: do you? <laughs> right. That's the lesson there, right? <laughs>
0: And that wouldn't happen nowadays, because you nowadays you'd go into the bathroom, you'd pull up a monologue on your phone and you'd read through it a few Isn't times., crazy? And you'd go in yeah, and do and we it.
1: We didn't have that. Right. We didn't have that back then. Yeah. Or I could have something auditioned for or something something, right? But back then, I was like, "Oh my God, how could it blow this? How do I not blow this? I was like, OK, we got this entertain for 60 seconds for god's sake you can do that
2: (laughs) what was the first gig that that agent got you do you remember
1: uh oh michael michael what was it he came out here to come with me i want to say it was judging amy do you remember that show judging amy i want to say it was judging amy and he came out here uh and um he's yeah and i we had margaritas together and celebrated he's Not with us anymore, but he's my angel. He was my first crazy. We had fun. I I never got so close to an agent after that. I mean, you know, when you tell your agent a story about your vibrator, (laughs) after that,
2: (laughs) really no boundaries left.
1: (laughs) That was it. We're going to start here.
2: (laughs) We're Amy and Nancy Harrington, and you're listening to the Passionistas Project podcast. In our interview with Marlene Forte. To learn more about her projects and stay on top of what she's doing, visit MarleneForte.com. Now here's more of our interview with Marlene.
0: So you've done stage and film and television. Do you have a medium that you
1: prefer? I don't really, I don't, you know, I get asked this question a lot. I love I, I them all. They all have their own thing. Um, film, I love film lies between tv and theater right because you do get a little rehearsal with film and i love the rehearsal process and really working on stuff like that um which is why i love theater so much because you get to work on something four weeks which is ridiculous amount of time but that that's a hell of a lot more than two camera run throughs before they shoot which is like the other extreme right it's so technical there and you kind of I've taken and gleaned everything that I've learned about just staying moment and present in the moment to be able to do that on call like that. So I can't really disconnect any of them for me. Um, and I love them all because when I'm 12 or 13 hours in on a TV set and exhausted and looking around and tired, I'm like, eh, make it a lot of money. <laughs> and then I'm okay with that. Um, but, uh, I, I don't, I can't disconnect them. I, I I did for the first time. I just did Lincoln lawyer and it's a great season, but I did work like a lot of hours on this thing. And I remember at one point, it was one of those days. I was just feeling my age, man. I, I remember looking around going, do I really want to be a number one or number two on a state on a set right now? I'm looking at Manuel working his butt off and he's exhausted and he's like, 28 you know 38 whatever he's a hell of a lot younger than i am and i'm like maybe i just need to be invited to the party and in and and down to even the 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 thing that i'm working on with my husband um we i'm like like, let me just be a producer on this and be like like hitchcock and just make appearances (laughs) bad idea it doesn't sound all that bad I don't need any more tape <laughs> I'm, uh, I see how you know people can slow down but I don't think I'll ever quit I mean I make fun of it but if I did quit the business and film I would go and do theater because I just I love it. I like working with actors uh, you know and, and, and I love young actors and, and just playwrights and, the whole thing, you know, I just, I miss my theater company in New York. And during pandemic, we actually got, I got to connect more with them because we were doing everything on Zoom. And uh, I feel a little disconnected this last year or so because they're back in and I'm still here.
2: <laughs> That's hard. What, what's your favorite theater role that you did?
1: Uh, I played Armida in um, Mojada at the Getty. Uh, it was a, an adaptation of Mojada in Los Angeles uh, by Luis Alfaro. Um, and I, oh, she's so evil. It was just wonderful. <laughs> I play a lot of nice moms. So when, when I get to play a little, it's fun. <laughs> Why Why is that fun? Oh, Because you, it's what I love about acting, right? That I can get to humanize. Every role that I get, and, and, and you cannot judge. I mean, even Dahmer, you cannot judge your roles. You have to find a reason why a human reason why people do what they do. And that's fabulous. You know, like I, a loving mom, I'm always a mom at the age of 19. I'm a loving mom. I just, that's the role I played most in my life, but to play somebody who can eat somebody or somebody who can really, you know, go after someone's husband and grab their kid. I mean, that's, you know, and then just to, to humanize that person is, it's fun. It's kind of fun. I'd be a good debater, (laughs) which is something we don't have anymore. That needs to be bought back guys. We are allowed to see our differences. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see them. Let's see the interesting parts um but yeah also had another role that I love which was I, I got my which my husband did uh which called was called Diaz y Flores and before my husband and I were husband and we were in other places and he wrote me this amazing role um obviously he was interested uh back then uh, about a, uh, a love between a, a brother and a sister mm-hmm. um impossible love right um it wasn't a sick love it was a true true love between a brother and a sister and um, uh, it was called Diaz y Flores, which is a song by Silvio Rodriguez, who's a Cuban troubadour. And he, that was his love letter to me. Um, how I was like, oh, maybe this guy's interested in me. Um, because it's, he. I met him through Labyrinth Theater Company, and we had done workshops and, and talked. And we, I talked about my life and my story and stuff like that. And he wrote this thing this amazing piece about a Cuban-American family that sends packages home to to other South American families, not to Cuba, but they they package to other people, sending dreams and hopes back and forth. And it was just, I was like, wow, who is this guy? So that was another one that kind of lives in my heart (laughs) (laughs) for obvious reasons.
0: Yeah. So one of the shows you've done that's probably most familiar to most people is you were in the reboot of Dallas recently.
1: So Dallas is a biggie one. Um, people recognize me on Dallas and the Rookie, which is the new thing that I'm on. The Rookie is a really really popular show with young people, which is something that I'm I'm like oh wow cool. Um, but Dallas was the first time I was on in a in a in a in a Macy's with my mother, and somebody recognized me um, from the show. And that was my by that point I had been legitimized already because you know um, William Levy had been in my life. But um, uh, um, that that from that show I got recognized a lot um, when I was on the show and you know, the people, Jesse and Jordana, I mean, these are people that, you know, are just fan favorites and, 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 and Major Nelson, who was, <laughs> what JR to me was Major Nelson, not, not, not JR. Um, and I got the privilege and honor to work with and, um, and Linda and all of them, actually, it was, it was a delightful, um, delightful job to be on. And I'd fly back and forth to Dallas and I, you know, i have all these preconceptions about Texas and whatever. And I really liked to Dallas when I was there. And, you know, it was it was a nice job. Um, and then Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, we went to another one. That, yeah, that was another one that kind of it's I think if I had even done a couple more, it would have even one of those ones that boom, boom, right, that that it doesn't make your career, but there, there are moments in your career where you go, oh, now um, I'm getting better roles to audition for, or it's not as hard to get an audition for, You know, it, it's a little easier on my agents. Um, I got really lucky in the last probably 10 years because I think my agents and my, it's the last 10 years of my career, I think it, for me is, is felt like the most successful. And it's the older I get, which is ironic because people are like, well, there are less parts and your career does slow down. But for me, not call it again, um, it hasn't done that. It has actually, you know, and I understand that too because at this point I do have 30 years under my belt and I do have a resume that I come with and that does help. Once you get approved by a network then the other networks are easier, once, you know, that, that, that becomes a little easier. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know how much approval now I want. I mean, I, I, I'd love to get a contract role before the end of my career. At all this time, I've never, ever, ever had a contract role. The closest thing came to Tyler. I was working on Tyler, with Tyler Perry on House of Pain. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to develop um, uh, the Hernandezes, who were going to move in next door and all that kind of stuff. And that was the closest that I might have gotten to a contract role. But, you know, 30 some odd years and I'm the queen of recurrings. (laughs) um, No contract, but again, at this point, um, I'm like, well, number five or six on the cast list isn't bad for me. (laughs) I don't need to to host the party anymore. I just want to be invited to it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Cast the hors d'oeuvres.
2: Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so do you also think that there are more roles for for more diverse roles, more opportunity in that way as you're getting older?
1: Yes. Yes. I, like I said earlier, I think the fact that now um, these people who are the lead, well, I mean, let's talk about Dallas. Dallas, there were in the original Dallas, there was a there was a house staff that was there, but nobody right now in this room might. Jordana is the lead, obviously, and there's and she's a Latina woman in it. And now we're including her mother in it. And now my character kind of ran, was in charge of the whole house, wasn't the person actually doing all the work. Well, I mean, she cooked and stuff like that, but she wasn't cleaning the toilets, right? So uh, right there, you can see the difference, right? It wasn't my role, wasn't just there's somebody at the door, Mrs. Zwing, or, you know, it was a little more involved and woven into the fabric. And that's what I do see, um, that, that that our stories, um, speaking as a Latina, but also as a woman, they're 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 woven a little more into the into the fabric. We're not the wife just hanging on to the lead guy anymore. We're not, you know, I mean, one day at a time was huge because it was a single woman with kids on TV, and that's th- those things don't awe and shock us anymore, right? We're allowed. Um, to, to do these things. Um, although these days, if you it's a little scary <laughs> for women's rights, but yes, um, I think in general, we are portrayed more into, woven into the fabric of it instead of just being on the hinge of it or, or you know, as ornaments. Um, I see it in my roles, even as I get older, you know, there's just more going on there than um than just a couple of lines coming in and out. I and mean, even if they are just a couple of lines, there's more going on there. <laughs> you know, it's not just I'm not a line counter. I think you can win an Academy Award like Judy Dunch did for one scene. So I don't believe in line counting. I think that's my best acting is when I'm shut up. <laughs> I'm quiet. Just put the camera here. Let me think. <laughs> just
2: like when you were 10 years old in your first production yeah,
1: exactly exactly we had no lines but I knew ah, I want this it's crazy that you can um, and I, I I try to think that about my daughter too like I only had one but I was like just find a thing that that really that you love to do that gets you out of bed that you you don't mind doing for free I mean that's what us theater actors know from the start because most of us act for free the first 10 years of our lives. So if you're not having any fun at it, what are you doing? (laughs) Right? So, but if you find that joy and you can find that just a reason to, to get you out of bed because the money will come. You have to, you have to get, you have to have a steady income. You have to find something that will allow you to do your art. Um, and for me, it was waiting tables, which was huge for, I was an immigrant that went to college first. One, You know what I'm saying? That graduated, was going to grad school. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to go wait tables at TJI Fridays by the tree. And my parents were like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Can't you do this thing on the weekends? Can't you just act on the weekends? <laughs> Mike, no. Oh, Doesn't there. work though. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, but you know, they all they've all come aboard. At another moment when I took them, they were living still in Florida at the time, <clears throat> knives out had come out, and I picked them up and I picked up my nephews who are eight or you know, and we all sat. and We I took them to the theater and I paid them to go see the theater, and I sat there with them. And I watched this movie with them, and my little nephew looks at me and goes, Wow, you're like you're like an actor. <laughs> that that was a moment for me that was a a, a real this was a movie that I was able to see with everybody right I've done a lot of movies that I don't necessarily want my mother to see or my nephews but um including Fear the Walking Dead (laughs) it's just too scary to me but um well my father my father that was a moment for my father when I told him I was on Fear the Walking Dead, he fell to the ground because he loves those walking bed things. He just, he loved them. So he was like, oh my God, Marley, this is huge. I'm like, it's four episodes. We'll see. <laughs> That's, amazing. But
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So um, you talked about your daughter already and what, Have you given her any specific advice about following her passions? What, what would you tell her about following her passions?
1: Well, uh, let's tell a story about Giselle. And then, so Giselle is getting out of high school and um, we, me and her went to see Philip Seymour Hoffman in a play way off down Broadway and we're walking up or whatever. And, and, uh, and, I'm like, you can be an actor. It's fine. But you got to study something out of school, whatever. She's getting out of high school and, and feels like you can't have a backup. You can't have a backup, man. You gotta, you just got to make the commitment because if you have a backup, you'll fall in. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and he's like, oh, drop home, And he's like, she's like, yes, I, I just don't think I'm going to college. I think I'm just going to become an actor because I mean, she, Abrams was already, you know, she was doing commercials doing my, and just thinking, I was like, okay, you can be an actor, but you're going to go to school and study acting. Go and get, a, get into an MFA program, Get get study acting. Because I knew she wasn't an actor. She's been schlepping around with me since she was 10. She is a writer. She's an amazing producer. I knew that that's what she was. But acting had fallen onto her lap, right? Because I'd be in secondary rehearsals and somebody, she played God at West Bank because somebody fell out and a friend of mine was directing and they're like, can you go up there and play God? So she was like, this is is easy, right? She got into the program. All she was doing was acting at Montclair State College. Nine months in, she was like, I think I want to just be like a communication major or something. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. I never told her she couldn't do it because it would have just pushed her more into it, right? After Phil's like, yeah, have back, get her back. was like, oh, I think it's great. Act, 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 but really act. Do nothing but act. Let's see, let's see how long that lasts. <laughs> and, uh, and, now, and, and then even that, she went, she started acting. And then after college, she'd studied communications. And then she became an actor for a, a few years. And her first disappointment, which was a commercial she had gotten fired, replaced by who knows why they told her it was her hair. She went to the fitting by the time she got home, she got replaced. Who knows why this is the type of things that happen. She calls me. I was in Dallas, I think shooting. And I, I, I thought somebody had died. She's like, ma, ma, ma. I'm like what, what, what? she's like, I know it's the commercial. I'm like, she was shooting tomorrow? And she's like, I went, to the, I went to my fitting and I shouldn't have gone with my hair messy. My hair was all curly. And, and they thought it was that straight hair. Maybe that. I said, is that what they told you, that it was your hair? I said, oh, honey, it could have been anything. It could have been. I was like, you're going to get paid. It was within 24 hours. You're going to get your money. Don't worry about it. And she was like, no, oh, it was a god, blah, blah. I can't do this. And she went back to school. She got into USC at the time. My husband's a USC professor. And um, so she got in. She got her MFA in writing, and, and um, she says it was the best thing that ever happened to her. Because I never—my only advice, I guess, is a long way of saying is that I never told her not to do it. I said, "Do it then. If you think this is what you want, you do it a hundred percent. Because if you do it a hundred percent and you love it, no problem. If you do it a hundred percent, you're going to know if you love it or not, right?" I never said to her, "No, don't do this." I never said, "I'm not going to let you do this." I never. I was like, "No, oh, no, no. You want to act? You gonna act. You go act. 24 hours a day for four hours, eight hours a day for, for you know whatever it was. You know, 365 days a week. when you're in one of these programs, that's all you do: act. Nine months it lasted. <laughs> Mama knows best. <laughs> <laughs> as long as she was in college, those nine months, I was like, "Go ahead." You have plenty of time to change your major. <laughs> it was like, and, and, and enjoy, follow your joy. Just really, you know, be curious about things because especially if you're stuck in a rut and you're stuck in like, I just, didn't, I find no joy around me. I find no joy. There's no joy around me. Then get out of that. Go find it. There has to be something out in this humongous world, somewhere on this planet, somewhere down there, somewhere in the park, somewhere. That you will find a little bit of glitter of joy, and then that's, and then you go after that, you chase that, you know. I think that because all the other stuff will find you, you know, disappointment, heartbreak, disease, all the other stuff will find you. (laughs) So the joy is a little harder to find. You got to kind of search that out a little bit.
2: While we're talking to you, we're in the middle of a writer's strike then might also become an actor's strike. Um, and, and over the course of your career, you've obviously lived through other strikes, but how is this one affecting you? Does it feel different than the others?
1: Well, yes, it does feel different than the others, but I gotta tell you, I think we should have struck 10 years ago. I think this pandemic bought the producers of the studios four years because, of, because we wanted to work, because we were scared. I've been doing this for over 30 years and I've seen my residual income shrivel away and that's half of somebody's income. Um, so when you take away a residual income, you are taking away, again, for the bulk of the working community. You're, you're, taking, you're chiseling away at their living wage At their living wage to be able to make this not a hobby like my mother thought it was, but a career, a choice. Right. Um, And that's my biggest problem across the board with even commercially uh, residuals on shows, even network. because now everybody has a streaming platform, Peacock and Hulu and all that. And that 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 tier of payment is different. So and and and. That's the way we're going. Let's not get it twisted. It is not going to go back. We are not. So we have to find a way because now we deliver the product in a different way of, de- of getting paid, right? We're delivering the product in a way different way than we used to, which was a time slot and you had to be much watched TV on Thursday nights and if not, you videotaped it, right? All that. Goes it. Now it's accessible 24 hours a day to anybody that subscribes. Maybe, that, maybe it is through subscriptions, but there has to be a new way. And I think you're, it should have been figured out 10 years ago. Like I said, you've had 10 years to figure this out, if not more. You had so much time that the studios have been stockpiling this. They've been waiting for this, which was not another thing that the last one, they didn't have the time to stockpile. They didn't have the time. I know shows of mine that still haven't dropped. And, and and it's gonna last. It's gonna last, I think. I, I'm much more pessimistic than my husband is. I think I think they don't need to come to the table till January, honestly, and it's gonna be scary. But I'm hoping that sooner. I don't understand. I'm hoping that the directors, I don't know. I haven't seen what they negotiated, and I hope that it was enough to 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 throw in the towel as they did, because I think they weakened everyone's position, and I'm not sure why. We as actors haven't struck yet. Um, I think there's a big difference. It is not, we're not fighting for, now it's not even, it's beyond pay. We are fighting to keep this business as a business. Mm -hmm. And in places like California, if this business isn't a business anymore, what happens to this city? Yeah, because... It's not just us, it's catering, it's the food trucks, it's laundry, it's (laughs) so many things people don't even think, it's restaurants, it's so many things, (laughs) real estate, yeah, all of it, so this is bigger, the biggest one I think that I remember, um, and I think it means the most, and I, you know, Conquer, Divide and Conquer is the oldest trick in the book, (laughs) And I really hope that we stay united. I really do. I really hope that we stay united because I don't, I don't see a way out of it. Um, I don't know what will happen to our industry as a, a paying industry. I guess my mother was right. Yeah. We do it on the weekend. Or everybody can go back to theater and then we're all broken. That's it. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad, man. It's sad. I'm like, whoa, I'm scared. And I'm scared more for the young people. Yeah, again, I I can stay till January and not work. And, you know, I'm going to my rent is paid, but my assistance isn't. So it's it's scary scary times. We got to vote. We got to unite. We got to stay educated, curious. Yeah. And there's, a, I think there's solutions out there. There are. Look, I am all about, I am all about um, how my father had a, a saying. Um, he never said there's a problem. He'd always say there's a situation. Yeah. So we have a situation. here, Right. You know, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> there's a big, big, nasty shark out there. <laughs> and, and uh, it's gonna eat us all up. It's gonna eat us all up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was a downer. <laughs> I know. We're gonna it up. we right, we're gonna lift it
0: up. We're gonna lift it up with our last question, which is
1: what is your dream for women? Oh my god, that we're in charge of everything. Things would be so much better. Down from president to to, to, to Supreme Court to, to CEOs to just give us a shot. You guys have been in charge so long, and have been messing it up for so long. (laughs) And the little bit of progress that we've made in every, every aspect of this planet has been because of us. Open it up a little bit. Come on. (laughs) Give us a shot. Oh my god. Isn't it time? Yes. yes, yes, it is. Yes. It is. I want us to be in charge. We need to be in charge yeah. across the board. I don't care if it's acting, directing, producing, podcasting, cleaning the streets. We do a better job. Just everything policing. Let women be in charge. Let, uh, oh, just a little common sense. <laughs> we have so much more of it. That's why we give birth, you know. The universe gave us that for a reason. (laughs) It's the only way humanity has been able to stay afloat. It's a very powerful thing. It's why they don't let us get in charge. It's our superpower. Things Uh will be fixed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. Ain't that the truth? Be fearless. Be fearless. Ask for what you need and and be fearless. I think our power is so grand. I think once a woman, I think humans in general, but especially women, they put their minds and their their passion into something, it's kind of unstoppable. It's a force of nature. Again, why we give birth. Yes. <laughs> <That> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that sums it up. That is a
0: perfect ending to our episode. We are so Thankful and grateful for you to be here today. We had such a great time talking to you. It's really been fabulous. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been fun.
0: Thanks for listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Marlene Forte. To learn more about her projects and stay on top of what she's doing next, visit marleneforte.com. And be sure to visit thepassionistasproject.com to sign up for our mailing list, find all the ways you can follow us on social media, and join our worldwide sisterhood of women uniting to get support, find their purpose, and feel empowered to transform their lives and change the world. We'll be back next week with another Passionista who is defining success on her own terms and breaking down the barriers for herself and women everywhere. Until then, stay well and stay passionate.